Hello, I'm Alex Zane, film journalist, movie fan, and your host for A Trip to the Movies. I'm currently in our podcast studio a mile beneath the streets of London, and in a moment, my guest this week, the wonderful Josh Greenbaum, will be taking us on his perfect night out at the cinema. Thanks for downloading the podcast. This episode is brought to you by Odeon. From as little as £2.50, your little one's imaginations can run wild this summer. Because every day during the school holidays, Odeon will be showing the most magical fairy tales and animated films ever made. So the whole family can enjoy that cinematic feeling of sinking into the softest seats and being mesmerised by massive screens for less. To immerse your family in an unforgettable adventure from £2.50, look out for Odeon Kids tickets on their website or app. You see, they make movies and the school holidays better. And if you'd like a pair of free tickets to head to your nearest Odeon, stick around after the interview and I'll tell you how you can get your hands on a pair. Also, if you'd like to watch today's interview in glorious Technicolor, head over to our YouTube channel. And please, while you're there, do hit subscribe and help us grow the pod into a giant temple of film. For all the latest updates and to get in touch with us, you'll find us at Trip to Movies Pod. That's at Trip to Movies Pod on all social media. Right then, time to introduce today's guest, who I interviewed just last week on Zoom. So let's do this. Hello and welcome to A Trip to the Movies, where each week a special guest takes us on their perfect night out at the cinema. This week we are joined by a brilliant filmmaker who has already flexed his comedy muscle with the excellent Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar and now returns to the big screen with the absolutely hilarious R-rated talking dog movie Strays. Here to tell us about that and take us on his perfect night out at the movies, it's the truly excellent Josh Greenbaum. Uh, Josh, welcome to the show. Fantastic to have you on. Uh, let's start with congratulations. What a movie. What a fantastic movie. Um, how are you Thank feeling? Feeling good and, and, and excited to be on with, with you, Alex. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, a lot of different emotions right before your movie's about to come out, but mo mostly just excitement. And as you can imagine, you know, most movies, this one took a few years to make. So it feels like a, you know, finally we're finally there at the finish line after after a long time so very excited it's uh it's been a lot of fun for me uh this doesn't always happen as a, as a film journalist telling people about the film i'm going to see and about the interview i'm going to do because as far as elevator pitches go telling people the pitch of strays <laughs> never fails to make someone laugh it's like it's 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 a built-in <laughs> joke but rather than me do it for the uninitiated tell us a little bit about what strays is about you got it i mean to be honest i don't want to turn the cameras back but i do kind of want to hear your pitch i'm like because everybody <laughs> pitches a little differently i'll do mine and then if you have a different spin on it um but no it's 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 simply um you know on one level right if you really boil it down it is a probably the first ever as we call it in the States, R-rated, you know, adult version of a talking dog film. But from a story perspective, it is about a very sweet, uh, naive dog named Reggie, who's voiced by Will Ferrell, who is abandoned by his terrible owner, who's played by Will Forte. And uh, he, for the first time ever, is a stray. He meets some other dogs, like Jamie Foxx, voices a dog named Bug. He's taken in by a few other strays. He realizes he was in this horrible, toxic relationship. And so he sets out on a homeward bound like journey. If you have anyone remembers that wonderful yeah. film from our childhood, he sets out on a journey to get revenge on Doug by uh, biting his dick off. That's the plan. <laughs> and that is and that is the real plot of a real movie that is coming out 
in theaters right now. Um, so I, that is how I pitch it. But uh, I, I would love to know how you pitch it, Alex. <laughs> I, I, that 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 is the button on on the perfect scene. You you get so far, and people are like, uh huh, uh huh, and then uh-huh, uh-huh. to bite his dick off, and it just it's I just I, what what a pitch. When you first heard about Strays, though, before you'd even seen the script, what what was your reaction to the idea? Did did, did you have the the full picture of what this film was going to be? Uh it, it's a great question. In fact, I had the same probably reaction in the sense that I was immediately intrigued. I got, I remember getting an email from my agent for scripts to read that weekend, right? I had finished Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, which was my first film. I was figuring out what my next film would be. And I'm reading lots of scripts. And I remember getting like five scripts for that weekend and reading the log line, right? The one sentence pitch like we just did. And I remember reading that, you know, a little dog going on a revenge journey to bite his owner's dick off. <laughs> and I, I thought to myself like that, well, I'm reading that one first. Like, I feel like, you know, if nothing else, it'll be fun, a fun read. Um, I will say, I think that I, I sort of assumed I knew what it was and was sort of half interested. And what I mean by that is I think I assumed, oh, it's going to be a dog spoof movie. It's like not another dog movie or something like that, where a lot of great jokes, making fun of this sort of dog movie genre, which I love and I think lots of people love. And so I kind of was, you know, thinking uh, maybe I'll maybe I'll be interested, but I'm not totally sold on it. And then I finally got to read the script and sort of discovered that, yes, it has tons of great R-rated adult jokes. And what if dogs actually kind of talk the way we, you know, humans and adults do? But it had way more depth and heart and kind of emotion and character and all the things I look for as a filmmaker. And so that's when I really leaned in. I said, oh, now I get this. I see my path in, you know, I I met with Dan Peralt, the writer of it. We talked a lot about, you know, interestingly, the script was born for him less out of a desire to spoof dog movies and more out of this interesting way in to talk about toxic relationships. (laughs) which is really what the film is about. Like even, you know, it's, it's Reggie's in this very unhealthy toxic relationship that he needs to get out of. And then the, the role of friendship, right. In sort of supporting us and helping us get through those difficult relationships. And then the kind of process of, um, I don't know, finding your own sense of self and your sense of self-worth, all these kind of very heady, emotional, deeper things all embodied inside of a ridiculous, loud, R-rated talking dog comedy and so then I was like, I leaned in. I was like, oh, this is fantastic. And um, that was the start. You know, that was years ago. So I, I mean, I, I think that's it. I think people will be surprised at just how much heart there is in this movie. Because when I walked into the screening room today to see it, uh, of all the things I expected to do, start to well up was not one of them. But it really, it really right. got me. There, there are moments in this movie that are really genuinely moving. Oh, that's great to hear. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big fan of like, I don't know, in comedy in particular. Obviously, you have to deliver the laughs. That's why we're going. That's why we, you know, why we love comedies. But for me, when I get surprisingly emotionally invested in a storyline, and it can be outrageous, but if I'm suddenly like leaning in and I care and you're taking me from like kind of really laughing hard to like you said welling up or getting emotional that's the that's the target that's like the secret the secret sauce if you can if you can pull it off and I remember experiences like that I remember coming out of a movie you know movies like super bad and being like that was so loud and so funny but I also called my best friend from high school and was like hey like (laughs) 
First of all, they made a movie about us. Go watch it. <laughs> no. But also like just like we I used to say to my friend, Jameson, I'd be like, I love you. Like, I want to tell everyone how much I love you. Like, And there was that whole scene where they're laying there and it's like and it felt so kind of emotional, honest and sweet. And then when they fight and there's movies like that, 40 year old version was another one that I referenced when I was thinking about making this film where it was sort of like I thought I knew what that movie was. Right. I thought it was like, mm -hmm. OK sort of a broad sex comedy about a guy who somehow never had sex. But the way it was handled with kind of emotional honesty and was like, I fully related to this guy and I was completely invested. That's that's what I sort of strive for. So it's very, I'm super happy to hear that uh, it, to some extent delivered that for you. Absolutely, it absolutely did. Um, I, I, I should ask at this point, before we carry on talking about, the, the, about strays, are, are you a dog owner yourself? Oh, yes. I have had a dog, at least one, if not two dogs in my life since I was born. So I, you know, I won't list them all, but I have at, at, at every moment other than maybe in, in university um, have had a dog living with me. And in fact, I have two now, one of which is from the movie Strays. I, I actually adopted um, there's a puppy version of Reggie, the Will Ferrell, Ferrell character in the, in the film. At the beginning of the movie, and uh, he pops out of the cardboard box, if you remember. Yeah. Anyway, he, that dog needed a home at the end of our shoot, and I called my wife and my daughters up, and they, of course, were like, absolutely. So I now wow. have Will Ferrell living in my house in a little 15-pound <laughs> border terrier. That's um, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. I know. I'm, I, I, was, I was trying to grab him at some point. Maybe I can stick him on the camera. He's very – he's adorable, as That's you can imagine. Yeah, my, my mom has a little border terrier um, and weirdly lives in a, a place called Oakwood, which blew my mind when I was watching the movie. I was like, that's just weird. Yeah, that's um, weird. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. That is, that's what a weird coincidence. By the way, my Reggie is from the UK. So we, we wanted to use border terriers because they kind of they work like um, they work a lot in films because they sort of look like mutts in mm. The trick with doing dog films is you usually can't just have one actor playing that that role because you often need a dog who's good at running or does different tricks and this and that. So we kind of secretly switch out certain dogs. Most of the time you're watching one dog for 90% of the time. But to find Border Terriers, they're not a very popular breed here in the States. And so mm -hmm. they're very popular in the UK. Um, yeah, which it yeah. sounds like makes sense if your mom has one. And so... Yeah, that's ultimately where my dog is from. So he's a little he's a little Brit living in my house. <laughs> that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Will Ferrell. Well, let, let's talk about I, I, I'm a huge Will Ferrell fan anyway, but R-rated Will Ferrell is just it's, it's magic. It's it's just wonderful to hear him. And I, I, am I right in thinking his 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 son played a part in making sure he did this movie? That's right. Absolutely. His son played a big part. Um, so Will and I actually w have been friends for a few years now. He produced my first film, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. So we've gotten close over the years. Um, so it was an easy kind of reach out, uh, you know, and he's familiar with some of the producers on this film, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. And um, anyway, so we reached out, he got the script. I think he really loved the script and he, we, he was excited at the prospect of working together, the two of us, but really he was driving in the car. I I think he was finally making a decision whether or not to do the film. And he said to his 13 year old son, you know, Hey Axel, what would you want to watch a movie where I play kind of a foul mouthed dog who wants to get revenge on his mean owner and bite his dick off. <laughs> and his son just immediately was like a thousand percent. Yes, dad, immediately go make that movie. So we have, I have uh, Will Ferrell's son to thank for, for in a big way for his involvement in the film. 
I mean, he's great. Him and Jamie Foxx, the uh, the the toing and froing, the double act there. Uh, you know, it's like they. I, what, how have we never seen this before? But I think part of it is so good because you did the unthinkable, which I don't think I've ever heard be done before on a movie led by voiceover. Which is you put them in the same room at the same time. What a what a novel concept. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You know, it's so funny. I think maybe the benefit of me not, I don't have an animation background, right? I, I, you know, I primarily work in live action. And so I think the idea that they weren't going to be acting opposite each other seemed so wrong to me that I was just, and I think people who work in animation know, no, that's the norm. You just, yeah. they come in, they do their lines, they read opposite, maybe a director or a reader. And then the other person comes another day and it's scheduling. It's all these different reasons. But to me, you're like you're leaving such the most important part of performing out if they're not acting opposite each other. So I just sort of, you know, politely insisted. But also, to be honest, Will and Jamie wanted to. It was exciting. I think they had never worked together before. They're huge fans of each other. And so they got in a room. So, yeah, all of the voiceover sessions were Will and Jamie riffing off of each other. I, of course, let them improvise. I also said something that they're never allowed to do in traditional voiceover work, which is I said, overlap each other, interrupt each other, step on each other's lines, like do all the stuff you're not supposed to, because the more organic it can feel. I think we've seen some comedy in the dog space before, but it's always like set up punchline. There's sort of a, a rhythm to it that's a little stilted. And I wanted to get more of that organic R-rated comedy vibe where where it just feels natural and they do overlap and there's a quiet mumbling joke and there's all sorts of different layers of comedy. So that was just such a joy. And I mean, coming off of a, I'm sure we'll talk about it, a more difficult shoot with nothing but dogs. It was so easy and joyful to sit in a room with Will Ferrell and Jamie Foxx and just let them do what they do best mm -hmm. and be funny. And, you know, and then later when we, you know, we had sessions with Isla Fisher and Randall Park, who also are the other two main dogs in the, in the film. And we had sessions with all four of them, which was just so fun and a little <laughs> tricky because we were still in the COVID era. Um, so we had to kind of navigate that. But, you know, you just get so much, I think, more uh, comedy and better performances and just all of the magic of why we love watching actors when they get to act opposite each other. So that was Yes, it seemed crazy that it was like no one does this. I'm like, why does no one do this? <laughs> I mean, so. I, it, it's paid dividends because it genuinely it does genuinely feel so organic, so natural. So, like they're sparring between each other, Bug and Reggie. Oh, it's um, no, yeah. it, it, it's great. Now, uh, you did just touch on this, but the the famous age old adage: never work with children or animals. I mean, right? How was it? How 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 was it? You can be completely honest. We're dog owners; they can take it. <laughs> Well, how was it? Listen, if you can see the side of my head, it's mostly there's a lot of gray. Do you see that? <laughs> that was not there before I started making this film. No, it was kind of a combination of both the most wonderful set you could imagine, right? It's this very quiet, very calm set where, you know, you look over and one of the key grips, you know, or, you know, is, is holding a dog and petting. And it's like just it's very sweet. And it had to be quiet. I mean, our set on any given moment, it was it was this loud. Okay, and sit. Okay, stay. And mark. That's how loud all the trainers are talking to the dogs. So it's this incredibly warm, peaceful set. But on the flip side of that, you're trying to get dogs, like four dogs in any given scene. And I tried to shoot with like 
interesting moving master shots and have all four dogs in the frame and not just rely on single, 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 single. So when you do that, it makes the pulling off a shot, any given shot, just infinitely more complex and complicated and difficult. So, you know, the average take, I would say, on a normal movie or one of my movies would be, you know, we're going to do four or five takes, you know, maybe three if it goes well, five or six if it's not going well. I'm sure our average take number on this was 15, right? It was like, we, it was just take after take of trying to get the dog and the choreography. And so it was definitely very difficult, but also really sweet and really fun. And, you know, I learned early on that one, getting one dog to do incredibly complicated sequence of things, right? Walk in the room, pick up a ball, jump up on the table, drop the ball, bark, spin around, jump down. They'll do that like nine times out of 10. The problem with my film and the challenge of my film was, I, ha- I needed that plus a second dog to walk in during this moment, a third dog to stay seated in the background the whole time and then walk out at this moment and then the fourth dog to pop in at this. So once you do that, you're just asking for a catastrophe, <laughs> which <laughs> oh, it often turned out to be. But it was it was fun and I'm, I'm blown away. I, I hope you felt similar, but, but the performances we got out of the natural performances out of the dogs are really, you know, both funny at times, but really emotional. Like that's all real dogs performances that the trainers worked hard to get the, you know, the way they walk, the way they lower their head, the way if we have confusion, I, they tilt their head instead of doing CG eyebrows furrowed. Mm. I try to keep as much sort of naturalistic behavior because it just became, I think for an adult audience, we don't, I don't tolerate like crazy eyebrows on a dog raising when they're like surprised because my dog doesn't do that. <laughs> you know, there's different behavior when a dog is surprised. So I try to lean into the, you know, the re- the real kind of organic performance and not over anthropomorphize them so that you stay in the film so that you're like, you're not getting pulled out. So. Yeah. And I certainly think, yeah. you know, I mean, I think, I think dog owners and non-dog owners alike are going to love this movie, but I certainly think for, for, for dog owners, you know, you do imprint your own dog's emotions onto these characters in some way. You're sort of seeing your yeah. own pet in these. And if, it, if like you say, it is doing wacky eyebrows, then immediately you're almost watching a cartoon. You're no longer watching a dog. Yes. Yeah, that's right. And I, and I think I, my hope is that you both imprint for those dog owners and animal owners. And, and, you know, you absolutely may see shades of your animals in the story. And I, at the same time, I think and hope, you know, if we if I did my job right, you'll see versions of yourself and your friends in these dogs mm. the same way, you know, Toy Story wasn't about toys. Well, my film, my film's not about dogs, period. It's like, yes, of course, it's about the dog owner relationship. But as we kind of touched on earlier, you know, it really, I hope, serves as also a metaphor for, you know, the same. Uh, you know, I talked about films when I was thinking about this movie, like Stand By Me mm. and, um, you know, an old film I love called Breaking Away, which I don't know if you've ever been able to see. But these kind of like, oh, these friendship, you know, four friends kind of coming together and, and the kind of emotional support they provide for one another. There's, there's all that kind of human storytelling as well, uh, just through via dogs. So anyway. Yeah, when the uh, yeah. when the four of them are walking down the railway tracks, I got very big Stand By Me vibes. Uh, okay, good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was intentional. One of my favorites. Yeah, um, I, I also I think what's really really exciting is the fact that this is coming out in cinemas uh, because uh, you know it feels like it's been quite a while. Uh, a lot of R rated comedies have found themselves not relegated because you know streamers that's fine. It's not a bad thing, yeah. but to be able yeah. to watch this movie in a busy auditorium is it's just it's it must be a blast like i was in i was in a, a packed screening room today 
and it was it was wonderful. And I haven't had that experience for what feels like quite a long time. Yeah. Oh, I'm so happy to hear that. Um, I feel like a lot of times, you know, as you know, like press screeners often, they're like at 10 in the morning and there's like seven of you, you know, because I, <laughs> yeah. I also used to work in the press and I know that. And the, it's not quite, it never quite replicates the feeling of being in a full theater. But no, I'm I'm thrilled to, to that this is out in theaters and Universal's putting it out in a big way. Um, you know, uh, to be honest, my first film was was a comedy, Barb and Stargood of Estelle Mar. It was supposed to be out in theaters, and then a, pan- a global pandemic took over the world. And mm. I was hoping that film and others could start ushering back in the love of comedies in theaters because it it is, I think, more so than certain genres. It's a it's a communal experience to laugh mm. at the same time with 350 people. It's like you know that's there's something really magical about that. I. I have so many fond memories. I'm sure we'll get into later um, mm-hmm. about those experiences. And so, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled. I, I really hope that it can help. I think we've had a few films this summer that have that have been doing a great job of reminding people of of, you know, the fun and power of comedy in a theater and the theatrical experience. But I hope, you know, I hope it does well, just obviously selfishly, but also I think culturally, like we need we need more sort of thing like shared laughter it's it's healthy it's like yeah it reminds us that we're more alike than maybe we think and i don't know the communal experience so i i hope that and then i hope for my industry that we just can remember you know how great and fun our you know comedies in general r-rated or not are and i mean universal as as a studio is they put out all the best comedies for decades and decades so i know they're very invested in like getting comedies back in front of people so i, I hope this does some part of that so Well, on the subject of cinemas, Josh, it's time now to enter another dimension, a dimension of pure film where our virtual cinema awaits. You are our guide. We are your audience. Let's go on a trip to the movies. Exciting. It's exciting, right? We push open the doors. We find ourselves in the foyer. Oh, there's an excited buzz as there always is in a foyer. The hum of anticipation. It's your perfect cinema trip, Josh. Who have you picked, living or dead, to go with you? Um, I I I wanted to pick someone fun and dead, but I ultimately <laughs> I ultimately bailed. I'm I'm picking. I'm taking an earnest answer to this one. I'm taking my best friend from childhood that we went to all of the movies together as kids and and are still best friends. And he has a fun name. It's Jameson Dorflinger. Okay, that's a fun name to say. Yeah. And I'm taking him with me because I know that no matter what uh, kind of genre or movie we go see, we're going to have the same sensibility, which I think is which I like. What I don't love is if you go with somebody and you come out and they had a different take that can be fun and kind of a fun banter, but it's sort of like ends the conversation. <laughs> I like when I'm like, Oh, and I love this. And Oh yeah, I love that. Or this or that. That's, that's more fun. So I'm taking a person that no one uh, on your podcast knows, <laughs> but at least he has a fun name. <laughs> and so Jameson Dorflinger. So you've been, did you say you were friends from school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. From, from very young, from probably, I don't know, age seven or something. So you've you've been going to the cinema together for a while. Do you still get chance to go now? We do, although we have. I'm trying to think of the last time he and I went. It's probably a while ago. So that's that's tricky because you know lives get complicated as you get older. But um, but maybe doing answering your questions will for- force me to be like, hey, let's go. Come on, we're going to a movie tonight. We live a little far further apart than we need to, but yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get back together. I love it. It's you. 
and it's Jameson going to the cinema. Now, Josh, yeah. there's a clock on the wall in the foyer. It reads a specific time. What time of day are we going to the cinema? We're going to go at a very sensible, okay, a sensible 7.30 p.m. Mm-hmm. This this way, in our in my older age, I won't be too tired. I used to want to go to the late movie because I really like the late movie and the vibe, especially a comedy. But now this enables me to not be too tired and to still have time to go get drinks afterwards. So very a very sensible seven thirty. So you 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 like to build in the the post the post movie yes. watching the, the the discussion the dissection yeah of and the in film. fact I generally yes I like I probably prefer the movie and dinner or movie and drinks in that order as opposed to the dinner and then in the movie um, yeah because it's fun it's fun to talk about the movie afterwards if it was good. I guess if it's not, you just move on and you talk about something else. <laughs> so you touched on this already, like 7.30 p.m. That is a busy, that's a busy screening. That's probably one of the busiest screenings you're going to go to. So yes. that's going to be a I busy, like you like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, with an asterisk, right? Like we've all been to that screening where there's someone talking or on their phone. And that's obviously horrific um, and like a nightmare for anyone, but particularly as a, as a director. I mean, I literally like when someone if people are like if someone's I've, I've had someone on my phone. I recently had a kind of a friends and family screening of strays and I could see in the front one of my friends took their phone out. Now, what I could actually see was they were Googling trying to figure out who someone's voice was. So I could see they were on like the Wikipedia okay. of strays. But I was like, please turn your phone off. I'll tell you after the movie <laughs> <laughs> whose voice that is. But that is like a nightmare. But no, I definitely want to be with a crowd. I like I like the feedback. I like I obviously like comedy. So I like hearing the laughter. I sometimes get annoyed when people laugh at things that I deem not funny. But that's <laughs> that's just me being an, an asshole. <laughs> Wow, have you uh, wait? Have you have you have you had that? Was there has there been a moment when? Well, yeah, like I, I, no, but I, I sometimes I'll I'll be in. So yeah, I mean, like sometimes there'll be moments, you know, like as a comedy person, there's like certain jokes that you're like, okay, that's a laugh out loud joke, and that's just kind of a smile or a quiet chuckle, and I do sometimes get thrown off by the really loud laugher, who I totally appreciate and. But it's almost performative, right? It's like, I'm going to show you that I got that joke by laughing loud. (laughs) That can be a weird pet peeve. But now you're really getting into my psyche. And now I sound (laughs) like a less likable person. But I'm being honest. (laughs) That's good. That's good. So uh, it's a busy auditorium. I'm assuming by now you've had chance to... uh, to watch Strays uh, in a, in a, in a packed auditorium. Uh, what was that first time like? Nerve wracking? Uh, just a, a blast? How was it? Oh yeah, it's a great question. So I mean, the the first time I watched it in a full screening had a lot of stakes behind it, right? Because that is what we call a preview screening. So for those who don't know, you know, we have a cut of the film. The studio, you know, along with myself, we put the movie in front of 350 strangers and then ask them at the end to grade it. So they give it a score. They tell us what's working, what's not working. Did they like this character, not that character and all of that. And depending on how that score goes can drastically change the way your film is perceived. But the studio may say, oh, maybe it's not good. Maybe they have a lot of, you know, a ton of notes to solve things that you didn't really think were problems. They might change their marketing budget, all of it. So there's a lot at stake. So very, very nervous that first screening. Um, but I'm happy to sort of report that it, the screening was incredible. It, it was 
there's a big kind of climactic scene in our film that I won't get into the details of, but it's sort of building toward. And in that moment at our first screening, the whole theater erupted in applause. And so that was like, you know, I remember looking at my, the writer and my producing partners and the studio executives. And we all were like, Oh yes, it's working. Cause that was just proof of like, if, if the first hour and 15 working, like if this big moment, people are kind of like laughing and cheering and feeling like, okay, we, we, you know, we did our job, um, as, as the filmmaking team. And so it was exhilarating. It was super nerve wracking. And then, you know, then we kept working on it a lot more. We had more screenings and kept tweaking and working, but just that first time experiencing it and hearing people laugh out loud at all the jokes you hope they'll laugh at, you know, because mm-hmm. comedy is weird. You can, you can, we can all sit in a room and debate what we think is funny, you know, and it's my job to hopefully have a little bit of a pulse on what I think is going to work, obviously. But ultimately, no one knows other than the audience. And so which is what I love about it. You know, it's like it's it's a very easy answer. You put it in front of an audience. (laughs) If they laugh, it's working. If they don't, it's not working. And and you got to rethink it. And there's no there's no debating and getting philosophical about it. It's like, no, it's supposed to be funny. And and they didn't laugh. (laughs) Yeah. So anyway, it was a great, great experience. The first screening of Strays. And I've since got to watch it with more audiences. And I'm excited in the coming week to to head back out into theaters and watch it with with everyone again. Yeah, I bet. I bet. There's some moments yeah. in there that I remember that famous story about how uh, Steven Spielberg and Carl Gottlieb used to always sneak into theaters uh, for the moment that Ben uh, Gardner's head pops out just to see the reaction. And there are moments in yeah. your film where I imagine you'll want to be in there just to see what happens when X happens in the film. X happens. Absolutely. No, for sure. I'm, I'm very excited and I've got I, I will be that I will be that guy who is sneaking into some of those theaters. So <laughs> I'll put my hat down and I'll walk in. And luckily, no one no one knows who the director looks like unless you're a big director. So I can sneak right in and be sitting right next to you and you don't realize. It. <laughs> anyway. uh, all right. Back to our cinema. Now, you booked the tickets for this trip, Josh. Uh, so where in the auditorium are we going to be sitting? Um. Probably not surprising, but very, you know, when, whenever I can book my seats, which now nowadays you can pretty much always do that, which is great. I'm dead center, dead middle because I, I want the very best sound I can get. And I, not to say that they don't, you know, and picture, I don't like to be too close for picture reasons, but I also don't like to be too far back, probably more for sound reasons. You know, once you get into mixing a movie, like they do a good job of making all the seats work, but there's a sweet spot where the sound is really at its at its best in the general middle of the theater. And when you're up against the very back wall where you're not getting as much of the surrounds in the back and blah, blah, blah. So I'm a bit of a purist in that way. So yeah, I'm dead center and I'm stuck. I can't get out, but you know, but I'm not a big, like go to the bathroom guy. I was blessed with a large bladder so I can make it through very long films without having to go to the bathroom. Uh, and that look on my face right there. You don't there share is, that, Alex? That's, that's no, not, that's jealousy. Yeah. yeah, you read my face. Very good. Yeah, very well. Yeah, I can't hide it. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i very jealous. I, yeah. I'm aware that the middle of the middle is the best seat for sound. Um, and, and, and yet I sort of look longingly at it from the aisle where I must be. <laughs> uh, right, then the final thing we need before we leave the foyer and start walking towards the auditorium. Oh, the air's full of wonderful smells. All manner of snacks and foodstuffs are available at the various counters. What are you choosing to eat? Well, there's two things I love. I'm not sure if I can choose. I My go-to forever was, and I don't know if they exist in the UK and elsewhere, but a candy called Junior Mints. 
Okay. Do you guys, do you know what that is? I do not, but I'm hoping you're going to. Oh, boy. Junior mints are like these little dark chocolate and peppermint. You know what you probably have? Do you have York peppermint patties? Okay, yeah. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a peppermint, you know, it's like chocolate and peppermint. Yes, yeah, we have like they're called yeah. af- we have after eights. They're very thin. They're called after eights. Okay, they're yeah, really- like an after eight flavor. After eight's like a classier version. That's right. like, you know, that's kind of fancy. Okay. And then Junior Mint is like, you know, that's the that's the not so fancy version. But yeah, same flavor. So that was my go-to forever, even to the point where I went to a movie once with my wa- at the time girlfriend, now wife, and I bought the king size box, which is a huge one. And my wife went to the bathroom before the movie started and she came back, sat down. The movie's about to start. And she goes, hey, can I, you know, have some of the?" I had eaten the entire box just in the previous. <laughs> and it is like I think it's like over a thousand calories. Like I ate I ate so much chocolate that we now call that mincing each other. So if, if I mince my wife, it's a reference for like eating all the food before she ever gets a bite. <laughs> and I, we try not to mince each other ever again. So it, I think it's probably Junior Mints. The thing she's introduced me to, which I love, I never thought I would say this, actually, is I love I love nachos with the really cheap nacho cheese, like the super fake cheese. And then she has taught me to dump a ton of jalapeno peppers on it. So it's very, like, it's kind of hot, spicy. It's really good. So I'm. it's maybe both of those. Am I allowed to have two things? Yeah, you can have both of those. Yeah, I'm sold on Great. that. Yeah. I mean, kind of a gross combo, if I'm being honest. Like, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> I don't know. Like, a, nachos a- and jalapenos <laughs> and then, like, peppermint chocolate is sounds as gross as it can get, but it might work. It's like a, it's a main and a dessert. It's like a, it's a, it's a full <laughs> meal. It's good. Okay, you're right. I have to eat the nachos first and then enjoy the junior mints. Do 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 not do okay. it the other way around. That's that's that that's <laughs> depraved. That's depraved the other way around. That's but, like uh, brushing your teeth and then eating. Yeah, and then like drinking orange juice. Like it's exactly. a disgusting combination. Uh, on yeah. the subject of juice, do you, would you like a drink as well? I'll probably just yeah oh yeah I'll have a I'll have a Coke yeah Coca Cola nice Classic. nice fountain fountain soda all right excellent and um, the only thing about nachos you're not worried about the noise issue some people uh, refuse to eat nachos because they become self conscious about the crunch of the nachos in a busy that's theater. where the cheese comes in if you get the right amount of cheese mm. you're 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 creating a nice softer floppier nacho it's a, it's all thought out Alex this is all way ahead of you. Yeah, you know you you know your cinema snacks. That's absolutely true. I never thought of that. The cheese is the lubricant. Got it. The lubricant, uh, exactly, exactly. All right, let's leave the foyer. We've got everything we need. Uh, let's walk down the corridor towards the auditorium. Now the corridor is looking pretty bare at the moment. I'm going to put up some posters that illustrate some of your most important movie memories, Josh. And the first poster oh. I'm going to put up depicts your fondest movie memory. Got it. Well, that's a tricky one. Now, here's a question. Is it in the theater? It should be in the theater. It can't just be a movie memory. It probably needs to be in theater movie memory. Yeah, yeah, let's go with that. Yeah. Okay, because I was going to say, like, my very fondest are probably like, I remember sitting down the time my father showed me Monty Python and the Holy Grail. And like uh-huh. my brother and I, and he was like, sort of set it up as like, this is an important film, you two. You need to watch this. <laughs> and like, which was great. And then sitting down to watch it. So that's probably my fondest pure memory. But in fairness, that was on, I'm sure, on VHS, because I'm old. Mm. 
And, you know, we watched it at home because it was not in the theaters at the time because I'm not that old. Um, But I think this is a weird one. I have a very fond memory of a kind of an odd movie, um, a movie I love. But I I really loved I went and saw the movie Tropic Thunder, right? Ben Stiller's phenomenal comedy, like one of my favorites. Yeah. But the reason I love the experience was two things. I went with my my wife, who, again, I think at the time was just my girlfriend, but that doesn't matter. I don't know why I keep saying that. She's my wife now. <laughs> but we brought her mother-in-law, who I love, but who is not a comedy person at all. I don't know why we brought her. And Jen, my wife, and I were dying laughing throughout the whole film, and her mom next to us was just like totally dead silent, which made us laugh harder, right? It was like, oh, the comedy that is so funny and outrageous and my mother-in-law is just not enjoying any of it, made us laugh harder, which I loved. So after the movie, I go, I'm like, you know, Vicky, you got to tell me, what did you think of the film? And she, of course, says, oh, I did not enjoy it at all, which made me laugh. And she even goes on to say, and I really didn't like the movies that were previewed before the film. Which you <laughs> may remember, those were all the fake movies that Ben Stiller was like, his character was starring in that she also didn't get. And here's the icing on the cake of this story. So I'm dying laughing. That's why I have such a fond memory of it. I call one of my other best friends, my best friend from college, Ben. I'm like, you got to go see Tropic Thunder. He said, I just saw it. I, it was, I think it was Thanksgiving break around that time of you know year when we're home. So we're with our, or we're with our families. He said, I just saw it. Let me tell you what my dad just said. <laughs> so he went with his dad, who also maybe doesn't have quite the comedic you know, uh, taste for it. And here's what his dad said. Ben asked his dad, what'd you think of the movie? And his dad goes, well, I liked it. I didn't love it, but I really struggled because I didn't understand a word that guy from hotel Rwanda was saying. (laughs) So to explain the joke, he watched that whole movie and thought Robert Downey Jr. in blackface was Don Cheadle. Oh my (laughs) God. Oh my god. So there's something about there's something about that whole experience for me of like comedy is so subjective. It's like you sometimes you either get it or you don't and that's totally fine and no judgment. But like it was just so funny to see like oh right, like watching a movie that I'm loving and enjoying so much and here's a completely different totally sort of off the mark perspective. <laughs> So it's a very weird, weird choice for the movie, a fond movie memory, but it it makes me laugh even to this day to think about it. So, and it's a great Uh, movie. Very, very funny. Really. Yeah. It's a great movie. And those fake trailers at the start, here we go again, again. (laughs) (laughs) That just gets me every single time. Here we go again, again. Yeah, that's really good. I know. I love the I love the credit sequence. Actually, weirdly, I was thinking about Tropic Thunder watching your credit sequence at the end of Strays. The freeze frames reminded me ever so slightly oh, of the yeah, freeze yeah, yeah. frames in Tropic yeah, Thunder. Yeah, you know, I probably I probably pulled that up as a reference, I would imagine. You know, you think about like, oh, what do you want to do with your end credit sequence? And that was definitely a fun one. I mean, that one had the benefit of the an unbelievable Tom Cruise performance. Oh, dancing as less. What was his name? Less Grossman. Grossman. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm, I, this sounds ridiculous, but I, I put that at the top, very top three of his performances of all time of, of, of Tom Cruise's like, mm. he's so funny in that and so committed. It's, mm. it's magical. I love that. <laughs> Fuck your own face. It's brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, he asked for all that. You know, he got prosthetics on his hands mm-hmm. to give him fat fingers. He like he created that whole. He had that whole character ready to go. Like he's amazing. Yeah, yeah. But anyway. apparently, all right, apparently, there you go. But- Ben Stiller was like, are you sure? Like, he wasn't convinced about the big arms and the big hands. And Tom was like, look, trust me. This is what I want to do. That's exactly right. Yeah, Yeah. we've watched the same whatever it is behind the scenes interview. It's like, it's so great that Tom was like, no, trust me, this is going to work. And he was 100% right. So funny. Brilliant. We'll put up a poster for Tropic Thunder as your fondest movie memory. Right, we continue down the corridor. The The second poster we're putting up depicts your worst movie memory. Okay. I had to think about this one because I, you know, I I don't have too many. And I'm also a guy who does not like I never walk out of movies. I don't know what it is. Like I've committed. I'm like, nope, I'm here. You know, maybe maybe there's been one, but I can't think of it. But I did think of a good, terrible movie memory, which is when I was in sixth grade, grade six, um, I went on a double date. And I can't name the girls because they're certainly still around. This is my my sixth grade girlfriend. <laughs> and I was with another couple who were like, they were pretty advanced at like they had already kissed, which I, I had not kissed anyone yet. It was like very nervous. So I was really hoping that maybe on this date I could, I, I remember thinking I'm going to try to put my arm around her. Um, her name was Michaela. I don't have to give her last name. And so I, in the first minute, it's just the four of us. I think we baby even lied to our parents and said we were just going with each other the two boys not that the girls were going to be there so i remember like getting the courage up and putting my arm over her shoulder and like i'm just pouring sweat i'm so nervous and i get my arm there i'm like i did it i did it here's the fun kicker of the story the movie was dances with wolves which is like a three hour movie And I, once I got my arm there, I was like, I can't move it. Like I, <laughs> I did it. I've done it. And she was taller than me. Like most, you know, when you're sixth, sixth grade, you know, it's like the girls are bigger than the boys. So my arm for the bulk of the movie was like way up high. I had completely lost blood flow. It was totally dead. I was getting sharp pains like through my body. <laughs> so for like in an hour and a half of Dances with Wolves, all I was doing was like this, this like fight with pain and like just trying to make it to the end. And I did. And then like, and I have no memory of the movie at all. Like I, I couldn't tell you one thing about it. I've never watched it again because I think it would trigger pain and it finally ends. And I like get my arm down and it's like, my arm's dead for like an hour. It has no blood in it. It's like completely white. So a very random answer to your question, but it was a terrible movie memory. Wow. But oh, I, but my, uh... Yeah. My, yeah. There you go. <laughs> that's great. That's uh, uh dances with what's well, an interesting date movie as well. I wonder what I wonder what point you were, you put the arm around. It's like, look at all those. Dead oh, very buffalo. early. That's the problem. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. There's definitely some violence and some grossness. Yeah. But no, I think yep. I, I would imagine I did it even before the movie started. I was like, I'm just going to get it up there during the previews. It'll be a perfect time to do it. <laughs> so it was a three hour marathon of keeping oh. my arm up there. I feel you pain. Anyway, right, you dances, dances with Wolves is going up for our poster that depicts your worst <laughs> movie memory. All right, the third poster depicts the last performance, Josh, that brought you to tears. Huh. Well, here's the thing, which is not going to be that interesting. I cry rather easily in films. So I'm a secretly kind of closet emotional fellow. So I feel like the last two or three movies I've gone to, I've probably <laughs> cried. Um <laughs> 
I did the I same. In the, we're, we're, we're in a safe zone here, Josh. I, in the yeah, dark look, of the, in the, I, dark of the way, cinema. I'm not, yeah, and I'm not embarrassed about it. And it's also a compliment to those filmmakers that they were able to move me to tears. And that's what why we go to movies. So in a way, it's, yeah. Um, but I would say, like, just going backwards, I, I definitely cried in Barbie. Um, there was a moment at the end there uh, during the... I think there's a couple times I got teary eyed, but I think I cried at the very end when she is talking with Rhea Perlman and there, there's all the visuals of the various children, girls, you know, and this kind of yep. memory of childhood and girls and something about that just totally overwhelmed me emotionally. Um, I also cried prior to that at Elemental with my daughters. I thought that was a really sweet movie and there was moments of that that I cried. So I guess, yes, I cry all the time, I guess, at the point. I actually know another movie I just showed my girls. Um, I have twin daughters that are now 11 and I showed them Seabiscuit, which is an awesome, oh. fantastic movie. Mm -hmm. Like and I grew up in Saratoga Springs, New York. We filmed a lot of that movie there because it's set there. We have a horse, a horse track that Seabiscuit raced at a lot. And so kind of a personal thing. So my girls had just gone to the racetrack in Saratoga. So I said, I got to show you this movie Seabiscuit. It's a beautiful film, and it definitely brought me to tears towards the end. Really, really wonderful movie. Oh. So anyway, multiple. I just told you lots of crying, but I guess the latest one was, was uh, I guess, Barbie. Barbie. Oh, I know. Yeah. I, <clears throat> it hit me too. It's, a, it's a, yeah. just a, an amazing, amazing film. I yeah. loved that film. Yeah, I loved it. Totally. I need to go see it again. My girls, my girls and wife went and saw it a second time. Um, and I told my daughters, I said, what's kind of great about this movie is that I know it's operating on some levels for you now at age 11, but you know, watch it again in five years, watch it in 10, watch it in 20. Cause it will, it will take on different meanings. You'll, you'll learn new depths about it. And you know, beautiful job by Greta Gerwig and, and the whole, the whole cast and everybody. I, I really loved it. Yeah. And um, and oh, and it may may be one of my favorite Ryan Gosling performances ever. I I, I hope he's happy oh, about so that. Oh, so good. But Ken is just what what a what a performance. Yeah, totally great performance, and um, yeah, yeah, just wonderful. He's he, he's so funny. You know, he, he's he's one of those guys that you know you, he's secretly a very funny guy, and when you see him go on things like Saturday Night Live, all of a sudden, and he flexes his comedic chops, you go, oh yeah, he gets it. He knows he knows yeah. how to be funny and. And he just fully committed to that role. And that's, that's, I think, always the secret when a dramatic actor, and I, I did this certainly with Jamie Dornan in Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar, my first film. You know, I, Jamie came in, he had not done comedy, but I met him. And I was like, oh, he's very funny. He gets comedy. But he knew the way to make that work is you just commit to the character. There's no, you're not playing a joke. You're just playing the emotional truth of that character. And it becomes funny because of your surroundings and the stories surrounding you. So, you know, if you're feeling unrequited love, like just play that really straight and it will innately become funny because of the, the circumstances of, of it all. So um, I, I, and I think I Ryan think, Gosling absolutely knew that. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think it's an interesting thing. Sometimes I think when um, and this isn't always the case, this isn't a general rule, but sometimes when you cast stand ups in um, in in comedic roles in movies, they forget uh, yeah. that, that, that they have to, they should, it needs to be, they just think, what is the funniest thing I would think here? And it can go against the character. Right. Yeah, you're right. No. And by the way, the, the, the good ones when they do it, I mean, I, I, I remember seeing Bill Burr in Staten Island and obviously Adam Sandler, when he's reached, he's, he's gone out into his Paul Thomas Anderson roles and other films and, you know, un uncut gems. And yeah, when they, when those, and, and certainly Jim Carrey, you know, think about Jim Carrey's turn. It's like, they, the successful ones just play the character and play that emotional honesty and don't worry about the comedy, you know, mm -hmm. it, you know, 
play play it play it honestly and you're right i think you don't want to be reaching and trying to be funny you just want to be honest and it becomes funny so Right, Barbie's the poster we're putting up. Now it's time to put the final poster up before we enter the auditorium. And this poster depicts, Josh, your unpopular movie opinion. Oh, boy. Um, so I'm going to throw a couple at you to see what ones feel like they need to res- they really resonate. Here's one way to take that question, right? Mm-hmm. Which is I have a couple films I could say, or well, maybe I'll pick one. That okay, I recently watched, rewatched a film that is called Safe Men, which is John Hamburg's first film. No one's ever seen it. I love it. So therefore, it is unpopular because <laughs> no one knows it. So that's not really answering your question, but there is a degree of like, hey, it's unpopular because no one knows it. And so there's that. But that won't be my final answer. I think the one I thought about when I was like, all right, what's what's what goes against the grain, or at least the grain I've been told. Um, I definitely, when I, f- I remember not responding to the first Chris Nolan Batman the same way everyone else did, because I much more preferred the tone and fun of Michael Keaton and, and Tim Burton's Batman. Mm-hmm. So, and I think amongst certain crowds, probably the, the majority I think would probably disagree with that or maybe just say no but that's that was i remember saying that and particularly people a little younger than me being like you're out of your mind like (laughs) nolan's batman is like is perfect and is the thing and i was like no it's too i I took the thing that i thought was i liked more the kind of fun winky thing about batman and and push into an amazing and powerful but like very dark and very serious and like for me, obviously with my comedy background, I was like, that's too serious. That's not my style. Mm. So there you go. That's that's maybe my my answer. I thought about okay. a couple other films. I thought about Garden State. I loved Garden State, but people t- turned on it. I think I still stand by it. I, lo- I actually love Love Actually, which I think a lot of people think is, gar- is like too schmaltzy or cheesy. So there you go. I so mean, you can yeah. pick any one of those. I don't care. But yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm I'm kind of with you with the Batman thing. Batman Returns to me is still the greatest Batman movie, but I I think that may be an age thing, like for us as well. Uh, yes. Perhaps. Um, yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm. I mean, if it's all right with you, I may put up Love Actually just because that's a that's, that's totally fine. Well, then uh, let me then let me explain it so that I so I can explain my case. Yeah. Which is that I understand for some people it feels too cheesy, but particularly me coming from the comedy world, I think a lot of people are always very scared and nervous to like actually wear their emotional heart on their sleeve, right? It's like risky. And I think that's true of a film as well. So when a film does it, and I think for me achieves it and like moves me, like I, I definitely get moved by that final scene in the airport, right? When, you know, everyone's sort of meeting each other and it's like, that does work for me. There's moments that are a little much. And there's definitely like the, the, the take on like American women when the guy who goes to America and there's these like total bimbo American women in the bar, like that's terrible. But as a whole, I'm okay saying like that. I like a filmmaker, a director, like kind of leaning into the real, like honest, earnest emotion and sweetness of life. And I have a cynical side for sure, but I also am like, I think so many people's takes on that is like a fear of being, I don't know, of being too emotional. It's like, I don't know. There's like, it's, it's tougher and cooler to be cynical and not be, and not admit that that might move you. And now that may not be fair. Maybe people just think it's a schlocky movie or something, but I think, I think it's effective in, it's not a perfect movie by any stretch, but 
I'll take that. I'll take that side of that argument. I love it. I'm putting up a poster for Love Actually uh, <laughs> as your unpopular movie. The weirdest. That- these <laughs> posters are so weird in my in my hallway. Oh, right then, we're pushing open our final set of doors. We're in the auditorium. Now, there are a few things we're going to play on the big screen before we get to the movie you've picked for us tonight. So the first thing we're going to do is play the trailer for the film you're most looking forward to seeing at the cinema. Oh, interesting. Um, it's going to be a weird one because I don't even know what what film I'm showing and what the intention of this night is. But I'm... Right now, I'm I'm weirdly I'm, I'm looking forward to going to see Mission Impossible because I haven't seen it yet, but it's in the theaters, so maybe that's a weird one. But I have not seen Dead Reckoning, which I, I those movies are fun and great to see in the theater. <clears throat> but I'm also really excited about Yorgos Lanthimos' new movie, Poor Things. But I don't like that's a weird, it's a very weird movie. I got to see an early cut of it. I loved oh, it. Oh wow! But, oh cool! Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure I'm not supposed to talk about it, but I can say that it's a. I loved it. It's a. It's, it was an earlier kind of like working cut, but mm. it was amazing and creative and beautiful and visually amazing. And Emma Stone's performance is incredible. And so maybe that's the one I'll go with. Yorgos it's a ways out. I don't think it's coming out till December, but it's still exciting. Yeah. I'll play that trailer. Poor things. That's the trailer we're playing. Okay. Next on the screen, Great. we're going to play the movie moment that makes you literally or metaphorically, Josh, pump your fist in the air. Okay, I'm not a big fist pumper, so I'm going to go with a metaphorical fist pump. Um, I think for me, I thought about this as there's probably many of them, but I a huge movie for me of my entire child was Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I probably watched it more than any movie ever. And so I think like the final sequence when he's racing home to beat the principal who's also in his house and his parents, his dad's coming home and his mom's coming home. Like just the way that's all cut together and then he finally gets in the door and the snoring machine's on and he has to throw a baseball to turn the snoring machine off on his stereo. Like that whole sequence, I think, gives me a, a, a you know, a metaphorical like Ferris did it. You know, he, he beat he beat the system. So that there's my answer. I love that. I love that. A meta. But let's be clear. That was a metaphorical, metaphorical. fist bump. Metaphorical. You're not going to keep see me doing a real fist bump. I, I don't you. think I understand. Maybe I understand. at the end of this interview, I'll, I'll give you one. <laughs> All right. Next up, we're going to play what you consider cinema's most shocking moment. Um, I mean, there's a few ones that jump to mind there for me, like shock. I don't know. Shocking is a tricky one. Like I was definitely like everyone's super surprised at the end of usual suspects, right? The verbal can't reveal. Yep. I also I a huge fan of Alfred Hitchcock and all of his work. I took a Hitchcock film uh, in co- class in college and we can't discredit Psycho, uh, which is kind of in, in that sequence. But I think my answer, probably given that I'm a comedy guy, is I feel like Bridesmaid shitting sequence was pretty shocking. <laughs> And just like really, really funny how committed all the actresses, did, you know, committed to that whole bit. And it was outrageous. And I was in the theater for that. And it was so fun. And obviously, Kristen and Annie, who wrote it and starred in it, are friends. And it's a wonderful movie. And so I'll give them a shout out because it's a great, it. great, great moment. Yeah, I love that moment as well. I, I That and uh, 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 Kristen Wiig being um, drunk on the plane. Oh, is, yeah. That's just yeah. Stove. What kind of a name is Stove? Uh, just stove. every time. <laughs> She's so great. 
And I'm I'm lucky to now have her as a friend. And she is. Yeah. I just recently, by the way, she had a surprise. We had a surprise party for her birthday a week or two ago. We went, and it made me think. She had a great character on Saturday Night Live where she uh, plays this woman named Sue, who at surprise parties gets so excited for the surprise for person to come in the door that she's like, Oh my God, she's going to come in here and not know that we're here. And she starts to like lose her mind. She gets so amped up about the surprise. And I showed my daughters it and they lost their minds. Like I showed them five or six of those clips and I told Kristen and they, they were crying. They were laughing so hard. So that was, she's <laughs> Kristen's the best. She's the funniest. The best. Oh, wonderful. Help me, I'm poor. Brilliant. Um, what line <laughs> or piece of that bit on the play? Anyway, uh, what line? This is the next yeah. thing we're going to play through. The Dolby Atmos speakers. What line or piece of dialogue from a movie most affected you, Josh? Well, I thought of two here. I went right back to um, uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I always loved at the very end. He just says, life moves pretty fast. You know, if you don't stop and take a look around once in a while, you can miss it, right? That was always just like, oh, it was kind of cool that you look right at the camera. It was like, it was this interesting, like sort of John, he was sort of stating his thesis or stating Ferris's philosophy that kind of stuck with me. But I love that line. I think the other one that I thought about was, um, you know, uh, Stryker, surely you can't be serious. And then of course he says, I am and stop calling me Shirley. That, that's sort of like the, 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 probably one of the styles of jokes that I most like and say over and over. So I don't know. You take your pick of either of those. They're both they're both funny. And, and uh, I I love I love the Ferris Bueller line. I'm gonna I'm gonna print that on a t shirt yeah, uh, and we and give it to uh, yeah. yourself. Yourself and Jameson t shirts to walk away with. All right, the final thing before we get to the movie you've picked is the best use of music in a movie. Yes, a very good question. Kind of an impossible one, like asking your favorite, you know, who's your favorite kid. I made a I made a few and I'm going to I'm going to figure out which one I want to put at the top. So my first instinct I went to weirdly was train spotting Lou Reed's perfect day, which was just like I remember it rocking me and being like, whoa, the juxtaposition of that song with the darkness of what was happening was sort of like blew my mind. But I then went down a rabbit hole of other versions, again, kind of thinking of my general sort of love of comedy. And I realized like, well, Bohemian Rhapsody in Wayne's world is probably, you know, like that was so mind blowing and, and eye opening and so fun. And I am a big fan of people on screen singing and dancing along to a song. <laughs> it's just whatever. It's like the magic trick that I just enjoy. And I'm like, yep, I like that. So that was done again at the end of 40 year old virgin with uh, age of Aquarius. Um, I love Deo in Beetlejuice. Remember that whole scene? Oh, Day, yeah. Day, and they start dancing. <laughs> yeah. So there are a lot. I'm like that, man, I gotta, I gotta pick one. Oh, and the last one is weird. It's probably not gonna be my choice, but I love the use of those minstrels and something about Mary. Remember there was like guys playing guitar and mm. drums and they would be like up in the trees and then yeah. down here and you would start scenes as it came off them. And I, I love that, but I'm going to pick, I think I'm going to pick Bohemian Rhapsody just I don't know. It's so good. It's so funny and weird. I love just like that be was an entire scene that stayed in a movie. Like it's really odd. <laughs> Wait, which which um, movie? So which Wayne, mo Wayne's World. Wayne's oh, World. Oh, okay. Yes. Got you. Yes. Bohemian yes, Rhapsody. Yes. Yeah. Wait, and, and, sorry, not the film Bohemian Rhapsody, the the film yeah. Wayne's World, but the song Bohemian Rhapsody, where you know they're all singing along in the car and 
I, I think that's probably my choice. That's a great, that's an amazing list, but that is a fantastic choice. Hey, that's it, Josh. We're here. It's now time to announce to our excited listeners the movie out of all others you have decided to screen for us tonight. Josh, what are we watching? I went back and forth because I didn't know what I want, but I think I know the answer. It's a little obvious in many circles, but I, I don't, I stand by it. I'm definitely screening the big Lebowski. It is like, it's, it's the most perfect movie from start to finish for me ever. I know in your audience, it's probably an obvious choice because in film circles, we've all recognized how brilliant that film is, but I still challenge you to watch it again because it's that perfect. I originally started with Babe, which I love the movie Babe. And I was like, oh, people haven't watched enough of Babe. Um, It is a great movie. And if like kids were there, that's like if it was families, I would do Babe. If it was adults, I would do Big Lebowski. But I I did answer Big Lebowski to start. And you loved it from the first moment you saw it. Because a lot of, excuse me, a lot of people. No, no. Ah. Oh, absolutely not. Totally. It's not that I disliked it. I remember watching it and it was so I didn't di- didn't really kind of fully hook into me. I was like, that was interesting as weird. I'm not sure I get it. And then I watched it again. I was like, oh, it's funnier. And then I watched it again. And then, yes, that is like absolutely my experience. I did not love it from the first time I saw it. And that's part of what is so good about it is that every time you watch it, you appreciate a new detail, a new choice creatively a new performance, a line, the writing, the delivery, the music, the, it is like, to me, it is like, it is a, it really is. And I don't say that lightly, like, like a perfect, perfect film. Like I, I wouldn't change a single thing about that movie ever. (laughs) So it's great, but yes, did not appreciate it for what it was the first time I saw it. Brilliant. What a movie to end on the big Lebowski, Josh. That's fantastic. Um, before you go, though, it's time for our mystery question as we ask, what's in the box? I saw you with the box. What was in the box? Oh, what's in the box? So I'm seeing this question for the first time. Uh, and your mystery question this week, Josh, is, okay, having made strays, if someone is as bad an owner to a dog as Doug, is having their dick bitten off appropriate punishment? Uh, I mean, uh, absolutely. A hundred percent, yes. I... I... <laughs> If anyone out there is going to treat a dog the way Doug treats Reggie, then yes, I do hope your dog comes, finds you, goes on an epic multi-day journey with his dog friends, finds you, and bites your dick off. Yes, I hope that that is what, what happens to you. Fantastic. Josh, your taxi has arrived to ferry you back to reality. But before you go, let's recap your perfect night out at the cinema, you are going with your best friend from school, Jameson Dorflinger. You're going at 7.30 p.m. and you are sitting in the middle of the middle. You are having to eat nachos with some fake cheese and jalapenos. The fake cheese will act as a lubricant, so the nachos will not be noisy. You are then having junior mints for dessert, specifically in that order, and a Coke. Your fondest movie memory were putting up a poster for Tropic Thunder. Your worst movie memory, Dancers with Wolves and a Dead Arm. Your movie that uh, brought you to tears most recently, a poster for Barbie. Your unpopular movie opinion is that Love Actually is great. You are then playing a trailer for Yorgos Lanthimos' Poor Things. 
for your movie moment that picks you put your fist in the air metaphorically pump your fist in the air the yeah, final sequence you. from ferris bueller's day off the most shocking moment in cinema is the shitting sequence from bridesmaids the piece of dialogue is from Ferris Bueller. Life moves pretty fast. If you don't stop and look around once in a while, you might miss it. The best use of music in a movie is Bohemian Rhapsody from Wayne's World. And then we are watching The Big Lebowski. Thank you for taking us on a trip to the movies. Josh, have you had a good time? I had a great time, Alex. So much so that for the first time in my life, oh my God. I pumped my fist. <laughs> a double pump. Double pump. Whoa. You've got in the defense. I hope it looked as unnatural as it felt. Uh, (laughs) That was a blast. Thank you, Alex. And as Josh's cab carries him away from our virtual cinema, off into the distance, we must all leave his movie paradise and return to reality. But to soften the blow, how would you like a pair of tickets for a night out at a very real Odeon cinema? Each week we give away a pair to someone who leaves us a review of the show on Apple Podcasts. It's that simple. So jump on there, leave us a review, and if I read it out, we will send you a pair of tickets. The competition is only open to UK residents, and tickets exclude Odeon Leicester Square and Odeon Lux. And just before I say my final farewell for this episode, don't forget you can find the full video for today's Josh Greenbaum interview, and indeed for every guest on our trip to the movies youtube channel so please head over there and as i said at the start do hit subscribe and help us grow the podcast thank you very much and that really is it i'll be back next week when another guest fills our cinema with their celluloid dreams as they take us on a trip to the movies bye-bye